What's up, everyone, and welcome to the very special fourth anniversary episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast that is presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. This voice you're hearing is Mitch, and in a few short minutes, I will be joined by my co-hosts Kyle and Boozy and our very special guest, writer and director of The Blair Witch Project, Eduardo Sanchez. In 1999, writers and directors Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Myrick, along with a small crew of filmmakers and actors, changed the future of horror with two consumer-level camcorders, a terrifying concept, groundbreaking viral marketing tactics, and a microscopic budget. The film went on to gross nearly $250 million, and it has been a target for imitation ever since. Since then, The Blair Witch Project has been a mainstay in the conversation of the most influential horror movies of all time. It has been stated as both a gateway and a favorite in general for all of us at the terror table. This movie changed us in a way that I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate, which is why we decided to kick off our podcast with a discussion on both The Blair Witch Project and the 2016 sequel on October 1st, 2016, just four years ago. And when we started this thing, we certainly didn't think or didn't expect to ever have the opportunity to talk with one of the architects of The Blair Witch Project. It was a dream and an honor to speak with Eduardo Sanchez for a little over an hour. We talk all about the Blair Witch Project, its unconventional methods of filmmaking, his love and fear of horror movies, and his obsession with Star Wars. We even got the guy to talk about Jar Jar Banks for like five minutes, so you're welcome. If you're an aspiring filmmaker yourself, we hope this episode will offer some inspiration and some help. And if you're just a fan like us, we hope this serves as a fun way to kick off your Halloween season, which is the greatest time of the year. This conversation couldn't have gone better. Eduardo was one of the most down-to-earth, kind, and interesting people we have had the pleasure of talking to on the show. So next time you're thinking of that quote, never meet your heroes, consider this episode, because Kyle, Boozy, and myself just spent over an hour and a half with one of ours, and he was fucking amazing. Before I shut up and just let the interview play, we would just like to send out a big thank you to everyone who has supported us and this show for your, over the years. We have made some great friends from the show, and these last four years flew by, but we're here to say that we have no intentions of slowing down anytime soon. If you want to keep up to date with all the fun stuff that we will be planning for the Halloween season on the show, be sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Terror Table. You can also send us an email to theterrortable at gmail.com, and we will read your email on the show. We already have a few that are ready to read from our lovely listeners, which we will be reading on next week's episode. But without further ado, here is our conversation with horror legend Eduardo Sanchez. And I just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom. I am so, so sorry because it is my fault because it was my project. Search of the three missing Montgomery College students continues in Frederick County tonight. Ten days and thousands of man hours have been unable to produce any clues. We have a few leads, um, a few other options we want to take advantage of and just try to put together some, uh, some pieces to this puzzle. Do you believe the occult may be involved in the disappearance of your son? I'm so scared. All right, what's up, everyone, and welcome to the fourth anniversary episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast that began on this day four years ago. 
Since then, we have discussed over 200 movies in depth on the show, but it all began with us discussing one of our favorite and most influential horror films, The Blair Witch Project. And today, we are honored, grateful, and ecstatic to welcome the director of such films as Altered, Lovely Molly, Exist, VHS2, the From Dusk Till Dawn television series, Supernatural, and of course, The Blair Witch Project. Everyone give it up for Eduardo Sanchez. <laughs> the anniversary. Thank, Thank you, you so much, man. This Thanks is so much, man. This is You're absolutely the best anniversary present. To be honest, yeah. uh, this is awesome. this is absolutely uh, surreal. That four great. four years ago we were trying to think about what what movie we wanted to talk about, and uh, the Adam Wingard sequel was coming out. All so right. we decided to do both of the films and. Uh, the Blair, you're obviously going to get to hear from it, but the Blair Witch Project was a massive role in all of our lives, and it's a very big reason why we're doing this podcast today and why we're such huge horror fans now. But well, cool, yeah, man. And, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Last year we celebrated our third anniversary as a podcast with uh, Guillermo del Toro erotic fan fiction. Okay. Uh, so we feel like we <laughs> stepped it up. We stepped it up a notch this year. <laughs> Um, yeah, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. This this is a milestone episode for us, and we honestly couldn't have asked for a more perfect guest. The Blair Witch Project disrupted the entire horror genre, and it changed the game, and no one can debate that. It spawned two sequels, multiple video games, and books inspired from the film. It also lit the fuse on the found footage phenomenon, and it is yet to be replicated or matched. It has even been stated as one of the first things to kick off the reality TV boom, the Blair Witch being the precursor to, uh, to Survivor. Boozy also notified us today that there's a semi-recent Blair Witch Project porno, so it's it's continuing to inspire <laughs> till this day. Yeah, it's awesome. I, yeah, send me the link to that later. <laughs> Absolutely, um, it's got some major talent in it. That's all I know. Yeah. But uh, I'm always yeah. looking. I'm always looking for te- for major talent. <laughs> <laughs> so this this all clearly stemmed from a deep rooted passion for film. Where where did it all begin for you? What are what are your earliest memories with? film but horror in particular are you a horror fan i mean i i love horror films but i you know i'm kind of a chicken you know kind of a you know I, I, even as a kid like i just my mom put like this fear of god of like satan and i mean not that she was like super like that like crazy but you know if you're she was christian and if you're a christian if you believe in christ you got to believe in satan so i remember watching the exorcist when i was like probably like less than 10 years old and it was like a it was like a family event man it was like hey let's everybody come out let's watch the exorcist together and it was like uh it was like a documentary like it was almost like they my mom sat me down was like this is what could happen if you screw around with you know satan or whatever (laughs) um and uh you know that that movie really kind of scared the crap out of me and it still scares the crap out of me it's like one of those movies that I love, but I don't want to see ever again. Like even even the making of cr- creeps me out. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's almost um, worse. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but you know, so uh, you know, so I, I really appreciated horror, and I loved like you know The Shining and uh, Jaws and uh, uh, Amityville Horror was one of my favorites when I was younger. But I I you know I kind of especially in the eighties I shied away from the Friday the Thirteenth, the kind of the gore. I didn't like the gore stuff, you know the gory stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, and then it happened to be, you know, but I, but I still loved going to the movies. I still loved, you know, I, I you know, I always look for a movie to scare me and that's kind of where Blair Witch came up where it was like, it was like, um, 
you know, early nineties and, uh, you know, we, my Dan Myrick, who I wrote the movie with and directed with, we went to, to see a movie and I, I think it was Freddy's dead. Like one of the, you know, night, uh, nightmare on Elm street movies, <laughs> yes. the one with like Roseanne Arnold and, you know, yep. uh, Freddy's dead. Yeah. We yeah. recently Classic. covered this. <laughs> and it was like, you know, we were like, all right, you know, it was cool. I mean, you know, it was great. To, you know, they're, they're kind of trying to change it up or whatever, but it's not scary at all. And Dan and I were like, you know, what happened to the movies that used to scare us as kids? You know, like, why don't they make movies like that anymore? And that's where, where Blair Witch, like the seed of Blair Witch began that weekend. So because of Freddy's Dead, so we got the Blair because Witch. Because of Freddy's Dead, we have, yeah, we have Blair Witch, too. Uh, yeah, That's something special right there. Hell yeah. Do you keep up with current horror movies? Are there any that stood out to you recently at all? Um, you know, I, I, I try to keep up with the horror movies. Like, I just saw one BR. I don't know if you guys... I thought it was really good. I haven't seen it yet. It's on my list. Yeah, yeah, it's on Netflix. It's really good. I mean, it's super low, you know, low budget, but really well made. I know the producers and... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty tight film. Um, but you know, I've seen, uh, I, I try to watch as many horror movies as possible. Like I saw, like actually the last movie I saw in the theater was, um, uh, Invisible Man, which is, you know, sort of horror, horror horror-ish, more thriller-ish, but, um, but yeah, you know, so yeah, you got to kind of keep up with stuff and, and I like to see what the new, you know, people are doing to just kind of you know, uh, what tricks people are coming up with to scare people again. You know, I love that. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. I think the last movie I saw was definitely invisible man in the theater. That feels like a lifetime ago, but it was something special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I found a stub the other day in my wallet, you know, and oh, I was, really? Man, that's the last it's an ancient movie. artifact at this point. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> what is this? What is this <laughs> <laughs> paper? So weird. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's been well documented at this point that the Blair Witch Project was a surprise success, a box office hit, and a cultural phenomenon altogether, which in- inevitably led to hundreds of other films that were trying to cash in off its success. Have any other found footage films or found footage type movies stood out to you over the past few decades that, you know, kind of stood out to you in a different way? Yeah, man. I mean, I love, I mean, um, you know, a lot of them, I don't remember even the titles, but I remember like the, when, right after Blair Witch, a lot of people were actually just sending us their found footage movies. All of a sudden they were making, oh, cool. and you know, you know, you know, a lot of them were not very well made, but I saw some, I even, I, and, and I found one, uh, the other day on, uh, actually not, not the other day, but like a while ago on Amazon Prime or something. I don't remember what it was, but it was a, a found footage movie that came out before Cloverfield because Cloverfield kind of made found footage movies like, you know, acceptable, I guess, to the studios or whatever. But there was kind of, a, you know, there was a kind of a dark period there where there weren't, nobody was making found footage movies except like really indie stuff. And uh, I saw this one movie and I can't remember what it was called, but it was basically, maybe you guys, it was about like this, it was kind of, almost like, um, Bonnie and Clyde, but found footage, but done really well. Like these wow. two kind of long, long weekend. May, maybe it was, yeah. it was like early two thousands. Is that what? Is that what? Yeah. That is? Yeah, yeah, I think that sounds sounds about. And I think it's on Amazon Prime too. So yeah, yeah, and I and so you know, so there there have been some. I, I always love when they come up with new tricks and kind of like you know it, it can you know because it's it can be limiting sometimes. But I love like the first time I saw Paranormal Activity, the first one, like I was, I mean, even, it was my office and the day it was a daylight and it still scared the crap out of me. Um, and, you know, Cloverfield and um, I love Wreck. I think Wreck is probably one of oh, my yeah. favorite found totally. footage movies. Um, but, you know, uh, like I, one of the greatest things that we had, you know, Greg and I, my partner, Greg, 
uh, we did a movie on the, in the anthology VHS two, and that was pretty cool because we were like the old timers, <laughs> and uh, you know uh, <laughs> they invited us. They invited us into this little group of filmmakers, and you know, and we were all we were kind of intimidated a little bit. It was like, oh my god, you know, we've been, we haven't done a found footage movie since Blair Witch, and. And the only goal for us was like, let's hopefully we don't make the worst, the worst one. Like, let's just yeah. not the worst one. We don't have to make the best one. So, uh, but you know, they they were all pretty damn good. And uh, but just the experience of hanging with you know Adam and Jason and uh, you know uh, Simon and uh, you know and also Greg, my partner at Sundance, and uh, you know I, I, it was just and and being you know we didn't get to meet the other guys, but um timo and gareth but like we you know we got to we had calls with them and stuff like that so it was really cool to see like this new generation of filmmakers like doing found footage like their own way um i thought it was just an, it was just it was an amazing experience you know all, all, all the way through it so i was such a huge fan of the first vhs and like that that movie i it was kind of an obsession the year that it came out so i remember seeing like the poster for vhs2 when it was announced that you were coming on board and I know we recently had Jamie Jamie Nash on the show, and I believe okay. he helped you with uh, a ride in the park in that segment. And it's like it adds a whole another level of found footage cl- clout when you have from the dire- <laughs> like the director of the Blair Witch Project. Man, it was so exciting, and yeah, the VHS two is the best one by far. Yeah, so yeah, and I thought yeah, I thought it was I thought it came together really well, and, and it was just like I don't know, we were kind of riding a nice wave from that the first one had created. Um, yeah, it was it was it was fun, man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah, and you and Daniel Myrick famously filmed the Blair Witch Project in like a really unconventional way. Like, not only for the time it was, yes, it was found footage, but um, I also believe you didn't have a script for the movie, correct? Yeah, I mean, we we had we had a script, but it didn't have any dialogue because Dan and I were like from the very beginning we knew we were going to do like a totally improv movie yeah. so we basically wrote the script without dialogue just to you know and it was about i don't know i ended up being probably i guess like 35 pages or something um <laughs> but i don't remember like if that was the treatment or what anyway um but but yeah we worked from a basically a, a an outline that had no dialogue and then we basically just kind of laid out the scenes um and you know tried to we, we left the actors in the woods all, the whole time you know that we were shooting and uh we directed them through little directing notes like it was like a whole we had to like relearn how to do everything you know it, like it was kind of like remote like filmmaking by remote control almost you know what i mean um but uh you know but it was fun it was you know like we I, we, we assembled the right team and we definitely got the right actors obviously and uh, everybody it was just an incredible collaboration and we got lucky also and you know we made a pretty good film Absolutely. Yeah. Like uh, I just, I remember cause I've been, you know, studying this movie almost my whole life at this point now, since I saw the, like I, just a quick sidebar when I was seven or eight years old, when I was first learning how to use the internet, I was being taught how to use the internet. That was when the trailers for the Blair Witch project were coming oh out. And it was the second, <laughs> the second thing I ever searched was the Blair Witch project.com. The first was like, I looked up jaws I was obsessed with Jaws as a kid. Wow. But, uh, but the Blair Witch Project. 
Yeah, and it was uh, yeah, it was crazy. I still have a vivid memory of my mom cooking supper, and I saw it on the TV. And I went to our like it was back when people didn't have computer rooms. The computer set up in the middle of a living room. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, my mom's like, what? What the hell are you looking at? Because <laughs> like it's like, oh, these three people are dead, and we're gonna get to watch it on the big screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's like a snuff film. So what? So and did you watch it that year? Oh, I watched it. I I didn't get to see it in the theater because I was eight years old. Right. Um, but my my sister and her boyfriend rented it, and they let me watch it with them. So I saw it in ninety. It was right when it came out on video, and yeah, it was it was next level, man. Like it was yeah. like I uh, the woman the locals were what scared me the most. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the woman described the woman in the trailer describing the the horse hair on her body. Yeah, it was yeah. like no, it was crazy, man. Yeah, but but you had already been kind of you know groomed on some horror stuff already. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I was watching like Child's Play and yeah, stuff because like Blair Witch, Blair Witch, really other than the cussing, there's really nothing you know in it. You know, but that's that's the thing though, and I think that's why I think that's why the Blair Witch Project has never been no no found footage movie has come close to to matching it, and it's genius because it's even watching it again the last weekend. It's hearing the locals describe what they think they see or the characters, Heather, describing what she thinks she sees. That That's so much scarier for anyone, you know, making up your own image in your head. And I remember seeing like the Todd McFarlane, uh, the image, the the doll that he, or, like, sorry, the action figure. Yeah. And it was like, it's so cool. But at the same time, I'm so happy that I didn't actually get to see that. And it's. I remember, like the thing that, like my sisters and I, we we lost sleep over the Blair Witch trailer. <laughs> like we 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 went on a we had a family vacation. It was like a family uh, family reunion, and we went camping. And it was the summer the Blair Witch came out, and we we were freaking out over the trailer. <laughs> so awesome. it's just I yeah, mean, it's under yeah, but the, and but the trailers were like you know, and and you know we. It, you know, it, was, it was again like there's so many like lucky moments or, or kind of like serendipity like the planets aligning for Blair Witch but we ended up with Artisan who was like this great little distributor and the trailers they did were like so crazy like they they really got the movie like you know um, you know we and I remember with, with first times we saw those because you know, they would send us the trailer so that we could you know give them notes or whatever we were like it's awesome, man. That's exactly that's exactly what we would have done. You know what I mean? Like, because you, you know, how do you market that movie? You, know, you got to market it in a weird way, you know. And uh, yeah, I thought, but yeah, man, I can't. I couldn't imagine seeing those kinds of tra- that trailer like when I was little. You know, that would have. Oh yeah, you know, it was it was so real. Yeah, because like to like I think because I was around that age, like probably. I mean, I was. The, the when I first saw probably yeah seven eight years old when I first saw the Patterson Gimlin like Bigfoot footage which was like you know the first kind of found footage really ever, um and that you know that that was I mean it's still scary to me man to this day I mean you know even if people say oh it's a suit whatever I'm like it's a pretty damn good suit first of all because I know I know suits and I know how to you know how hard it is to to to, to hide a guy in a suit. Especially um, back then. Yeah, but, but whatever, you know, whatever. But even if it's not, to me, it's just like just the creepiness and, and like the, the like, I, have you guys seen like the long version? Because, you know, the the, the famous part yep. is just, but the long, like he, he continues to follow him and it just, it makes it even creepier. You know what I mean? Like, 
he's following this thing. It's just like, I, I, it was just like, if it was fake, it was like, it's the most awesome fake thing that's ever been done ever. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, that was the same reaction, man. That just freaked me out as a kid. And like Bigfoot to me was like my, I guess, you know, my Blair Witch when I was growing up was Bigfoot, man. Cause it was like, he lives in the woods behind my behind my apartment building, man. He, I see, you know, I, I I would look for him, and you know, I would like whenever, you know, whenever I was near a window, I'd be like, oh my god, he's gonna look in my window. And I mean, it was like that kind of crazy thought all the time. But I but I loved it. I like I would I would like you know like the in search of episode that was the Bigfoot. I loved that. I I searched out Bigfoot, but it would creep me out, man. We we actually just we did a Bigfoot series recently, and like that's uh, I know Boozy right down there with the big smile. He's a <laughs> a Bigfoot. He's obsessive with Bigfoot, so he's got to have a yeah like, bit of a chub going on here. Are you are you a believer? I mean, I am like I I want to be a believer. I really do, and yeah. I don't like and I don't like chastise people for like not for believing or anything like that. Like I totally like i'm like yeah you know there's there's weirder things that have happened um but when i was a kid i was a you know actually up until probably like you know you know because because then you get to you get to a point where you're like all right now we have satellites and we have you know all these cameras are everywhere or whatever but when i was growing up there was none of that man to me like bigfoot could be anywhere i remember when like there was a there was an article or there was like uh some trash, some stupid uh, thing about like there was Bigfoot sightings in Maryland where I lived, you know, like where I still live. Like I'm like Bigfoot is in Maryland. Like that was like, <laughs> you know, all, all the Bigfoot stuff was like out west or whatever. And I was like, holy crap, Bigfoot, you know. So so yeah, man. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he's he's my favorite, you know, cryptoid for sure. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we'll let you know how our hunt goes because next year, next summer, we intend on going. Right. I know Boozy and I were going on a Bigfoot hunt with our friend who's a former UFC fighter. So uh, he's also into <laughs> Bigfoot. So he's going to help us. And uh, uh, he's I'll been he's been in contact with Bigfoot trackers, like <laughs> Sasquatch awesome. trackers. Uh, let me know how it goes. I was invited out like a couple years ago with somebody that is like. Uh, somewhat something with one of the shows one of the reality bigfoot reality shows or whatever but i was like i mean i i, I don't like camping so <laughs> I, I, I like camping until it's time to go to sleep and then i'm like i want my damn bed you know yeah. um so the the idea of like camping out in the cold with you know a bunch of dudes and you know it would have been great but you know I, and hunting bigfoot like i don't want i don't want to find bigfoot <laughs> that's the last yeah. thing i want to find in the world it sounds good in theory until you got a big a, yeah, a big wookie in front of you it's actually there because i mean you know camping to me like that blair witch is born out of a camping experience too of just like waking up at three in the morning and there's like it sounds like a like two men but it's actually probably like a raccoon maybe a deer but you're just <laughs> like oh my god those are footsteps and is that, is that do i hear talking you know like you know so, uh, you know, just be, yeah, being in the woods is creepy, let alone like actually trying to hunt Bigfoot. Down. Like if I heard a, a Bigfoot howl in the middle of the night, yeah. <laughs> I, I would have a heart attack. I mean, you know. <laughs> okay. This is kind of going back a little bit to talking about your, your guys's interesting direction style with the Blair Witch with kind of like misdirecting your actors. Did mm -hmm. you, did you carry any of that forward to any of your, your films after that? 
Or were you nicer after that? <laughs> no, I mean you you can't, you know, like like we broke so many SAG rules on Blair Witch. Um so uh you you know you you uh like we we went in to them uh, you know to the you know we they knew what they were getting into we're like look we're going to treat you as well as we can but like you know we're not you know we need to make you feel uncomfortable we need to make you feel kind of hungry you know we're not going to starve you but we're not going to you know it needs to you need to sleep in the woods like that's you know the experience um but no i mean that was you know and and they were you know young enough and we were all young enough to take the risk and you know we knew what we were getting into and luckily it worked out but no you can't go that far i mean I think, um, I mean, for the the closest I've gotten is probably like with Gretchen Lodge, uh, with lovely Molly, um, where like, and, and it was mostly for her, her like kind of trying to freak herself out. Like she actually spent the night out in that house by herself, which oh I'm, shit, I'm, I'm, <laughs> even I'm like, no, nah, I'm not gonna do that, you know, because <laughs> um, the house was like creepy, and it was in it was in the middle of nowhere, like it was. You know, there was this road you just go down. And it was just like, no, nah, I'm not gonna. So, so um, but <clears throat> now, you know, I mean, and I think um, you, you, you know, with, with Gretchen was another actress that really like wanted to, you know, uh, push the limits. And I told her again, I was like, this is a really uncomfortable role. So, you know, I mean, I, I didn't take it. You know, you, I, you know, it wasn't there. There was improv in Lovely Molly. Sometimes I left the cameras rolling and you know did things like that. But no, as far as like as you know, uh, as much as we did with Blair Witch, you can't. You know, you you really can't do that anymore. But um, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that I carry from Blair Witch to all my, you know, all the things I do is like the idea of uh, you know the collaborative spirit of making you know either films or television and like I think. When when I grew up, you know, and and I think in film school and just you know, there's like this com- you have this competitive edge, and you know, you have a tendency to like want to control everything about your films, especially when you're first starting. Like, I want to write, and I want to direct, and I want to edit, and I want to light it, and I want to act in it, and you know, and you get to a point where you know you you know it, it, it's it's not supposed to be that way. You know what I mean? Um, and Blair Witch taught me for once and for all, once and for all, that like you have to like let the people around you do their jobs, you know? First of all, you have to find the right people. I mean, it's not like you can just, you know, snap your fingers and have the right cast and the right crew. Like, But if you've done your homework and you've cast the film properly, um, you know, and you've you know got the right crew, you know, they're there to help you. They're collaborative. They're creative people, you know? And just the idea of, like, like sometimes, you know, the best thing you can do as a director is to back away from the situation and let them let the people that you've hired do what they got, you know, what they got to do, do their jobs, you know? Um, so even to this day, like, you know, there's certain things where like I do a lot of television and, um, you know, television is a little more automatic, you know, people, the crew knows that, you know, kind of the style of the show and the actors, you know, are already very honed into their characters and all that stuff. But again, like, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you give the, you give them enough, information and then you kind of let them go you know and and you know and hope you made the right decisions but as far as as hiring the right people but they always surprised me you know and and that's the whole thing with Blair Witch was just one surprise after another you know as we watch the footage back they call them like what happy accidents you know things that just come together in special ways absolutely man and you know you see all these you know moments in movies that you're like 
you know, all the ad libs and all the little, you know, like some of the best parts in movies were stuff that, were, you know, whether whether that was not planned at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So you have to kind of, you know, keep that those options open as a filmmaker, um, you know, because you never know where the great idea is going to come from. You know, absolutely. Yeah, and with all like with all of that being said and everything, did you did you guys have a clear beginning and end for the Blair Witch Project, or was it kind of just like an organic thing? Like, did you know where you wanted it to end up? Story? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, like the, the original idea was to make it, you know, to do a documentary. Like, the, the footage was just going to be part of the, you know, of the documentary. Okay. But the footage, yeah, the footage had, like, kind of a beginning, middle, end where we were like, you know, we knew how many days we were going to be out there. And then we had all the basic beats um laid out um you know because you have to you know we had to hang the stick figures we had to you know there's a certain you know you have to art design the, the movie basically you know you uh so and, but you know, so we would let them improv within like these little creative things that we would create for you know these little pods that we would create for them you know um but um <coughs> i forgot the damn question <laughs> did did you know like what the did you oh, guys have yeah, a clear so, idea? Yeah, so we knew where we were headed. I mean, we knew that there would be loss. That you know there was going to be certain um, you know uh, you know upping every night. Something worse was going to happen. Um, and then the end at the house. The, the we had the the ending of the house was like the first thing that Van and I came up with. You know, it, it, as far as coming up with ideas for the movie, like we were like, imagine you know you're in the middle of the night and you're you know you just had this documentary camera with a with a light in front of it and you come across this dark house and you're already lost and you go in and you know all these things you know or all these creepy things are happening and whatever so to to us it was just like that was the first thing like them going into basically a haunted house was like the first idea and then everything else kind of led you know how do we get to this you know cool ending that we have wow. yeah so like you had you had it planned out initially that like cuz for me like one of the scariest moments in the entire movie is when they spend all night listening to Josh's scream in the distance and then they wake up to find yeah. a bag of his teeth outside. Like, yeah. that's like, man, I'm telling you, as an eight-year-old, there's nothing that will scare you fucking more than that. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just horrifying. And it still, it holds up so well. It's so scary. Yeah, it was, I mean, you know, and yeah, it was, that. that's one of my favorite scenes too, just because like the the fog and, you know, and the, the and Mike, you can hear, see the fog in Mike's voice, the steam, and um, and they were, you know, Mike and Heather were already like at the end of their ropes at that point, you know, like they were ready to go home, you know, and you can see, you can hear it and you can see it, you know, and um, yeah, it, it was a great moment, but there's so many great moments that, you know, even like, that didn't make it into the cut, you know what I mean? Into the theatrical cut, um, you know, and, you know, it's like, they, they were just, they, the, the actors, you know, we, we had this, these, these guidelines for them. Like we had kind of like the blueprint of the movie, but the actors just kind of went in there and gave us so much to work with. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, it was just, and again, it was again, like the power of like collaboration, like, like us trusting them enough to let them do this. And, you know, them trusting us enough to not, you know, kill them. That You know, this wasn't like yeah. kind of weird snuff film that we were shooting, you know. Uh, <laughs> but it was a beautiful thing, man. That's great. You are mentioning earlier about some of the marketing and how, like, you were pretty happy with some of the things the marketing team was coming up with. 
I mean, the controversy behind the Blair Witch was famously you know, just out of control. You guys were pioneers in the viral marketing game, and this movie pretty much shook up the world in part of that because of those tactics. What were some of like the fonder memories you have of the public reacting to your marketing strategies? Were there like some crazy parents or maybe like some upset religious folk that you came across? Um, uh, yes, of course. <laughs> um, there was, uh, you know, the, the 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 weirdest thing. I mean, you know, it was it was great, man. I mean, it really was great. I mean, we we been, we built this website, and um, and this is when we we're still editing the movie, and we started getting a lot of views and a lot of people visiting and asking questions and discussing things in the discussion board. And you know, this was before YouTube, before Facebook. Like, you know, we barely had the technology to, like to put even video up on our you know website, um, and. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, then, you know, our, luckily Artisan bought us and they were the, like, again, I, they were the right company and they took the website and kind of remodeled it and re-released it. But they really kind of followed our guide. And really, I mean, the best thing for us pre, you know, pre-Sundance was like we got so much, you know, we, so many positive vibes <laughs> from the fans. You know, like we like there's people literally from Japan and from, you know, Australia and Germany, like, you know, all across the United States, like we're like, you know, clamoring about, you know, I want to see, you know, want to see it. And, you know, it's like we're, we're like broke filmmakers in Orlando. You know what I mean? Um, so it was it just gave us a lot of energy. Um, and then uh, and then, you know, once the movie kind of blew up and. You know, it definitely was very popular. It was kind of the darling for a while until it wasn't the darling, and then people started hating on it and stuff. But I remember one time, um, it was right before the release, and some somebody had like gotten the uh, gotten my uh, my cell phone number, and it was like some, and it was like some DJ from somewhere, and it was like, hey, you know, it's Sanchez, the director. You know, you want to talk? I'm like. Oh, Sure. What, yeah, what's up? And they're like, oh, we have somebody here. And she and he basically ambushed me with this like woman. Oh man, who was like the she, she was like some kind of representative for like you know some kind of witch organization. I don't know. I don't think it was witch or whatever, but it was some kind of witch. Like they were trying to you know um, they were trying to like you know you know take the bad name off of witch you know witchcraft and all that stuff. And they were like, you know, this movie's setting us back, you know, hundreds of hundred years or whatever. Oh my god! Was, oh, not the witches. I don't know how oh. serious it was, and, and I was like, well, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't. Sorry, I mean, what do you say to that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And she was like, well, you, you know, will you put a disclaimer in front of the movie? You know, I, I was like, oh uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'll, you know, talk to people. <laughs> so we're yeah, actually pretty so, cool with witches. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of a, a weird thing, but no, man. Usually it was cool, um, you know. You know, like Blair Witch was like it, it got crazier and crazier, like after Sundance, and then we went to Cannes, and you know, just the, every every it seemed like every two or three days something crazy happened. Like, you know, we were on the cover of Time Magazine and Newsweek, and and the greatest thing was like when uh, I found the damn uh, Mad Magazine. <laughs> Parody of Blair Witch. I mean, you know, I I grew That's up. That's how you know you made it. So oh, that yeah. to me is even better than the cover of Time Magazine because the cover <laughs> of Time Magazine is, is ridiculous. It looks like one of those things you do like at the beach, you know, where you like used to like Photoshop yourself into the yeah. cover. <laughs> but the Mad Magazine to me was like, this is cool, man. Like they actually drew Dan and me. You know what I mean? Like we were characters in the in the parody. You know. 
And uh, so that to me was like, oh my god, I think I've I've made it. I I can now you know die happily. I, I've uh, been drawn in Mad Magazine. So, but yeah, that- but overall, we we love the people were really into it, and you know most most people were really cool with it. That's awesome. That's crazy. You mentioned that uh, The Exorcist played such a huge role for you growing up, and then Linda Blair played. She was in a Blair Witch parody. Like that must have been pretty crazy to see. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, man. I mean, look, man. You know, just anybody that we, anybody like talking about Blair Witch period, like whenever anybody on TV or even to this day, like people, it comes up on Jeopardy or something or whatever, and people are still, it's like, oh, Blair Witch, and I'm, it's like it's just crazy. Um, but yeah, it was cool, man. I mean, and, and you know, and Blair. I mean, we we picked the name Blair had nothing to do with Linda Blair, even though I think maybe subconsciously it was in my head somewhere. Um, but I just, you know, I came up with that name just one night. I, we were, Dan and I were writing the treatment back and forth and it was just called the woods movie at that point. And we had talked about being some kind of project and I was like, you know, man, I'm just going to name this, sh-, you know? And I said, ah, the Blair witch project, I put it on there. And then I was like, we'll rename it later. And my, cause my sister had gone to Blair high school, just like in the, the girl oh, in the movie says, and um, so you know, so all, so there was this kind of tie to, to Linda Blair, but uh, but it wasn't like direct. But it, but now I think about it, like yeah, maybe the Exorcist was working through me to yeah, Blair. subconscious level, yeah. But I mean, That's you know, crazy. just yeah, seeing Linda Blair, like you know, you know, it's just it's it's just nuts. It's one of these things where you're like, I can't believe this is happening. You know? Yeah, no doubt. And I got to ask, since, uh, like, you know, very few people, like, are as fortunate as we are to get to be able to ask these questions to the creator. Um, but, like, there's been, like, is it true that you guys returned the camera that you bought from Circuit City? You you bought, you used the camera from Circuit City that you bought and then returned it after you filmed the entire movie? No, that- no, com- no comment, man. <laughs> no, we did, man. We, we, we bought two cameras. And uh, they were like 500 bucks each. And then we, you know, use, you know, we basically would shift them back and forth. We would use one to watch the footage and then we'd switch out, whatever. And then I guess the one that, that, that we were using to mostly to watch the footage was it's still in pretty good shape. So we were at the end of the shoot, we were like, hey, let's return this thing. <laughs> 500 bucks back to our budget. Um, and, awesome. then, and then Ben Rock, the production designer, bought the other one from us for like a couple hundred bucks or something, and um, and that's the one that's in um, in the museum in Seattle. The pop yeah, culture. how does it yeah. feel to have stuff in the museum? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. And I, I went, we went to visit. Greg and I went to visit uh, a few years back. I mean, Greg's been a bunch of times because Greg, my other partner, he lives in in uh, Portland over there, so he's closer, but. I went there and it's just, it's cool as hell, man, to see, you know, your, first of all, all the other, have you guys been to the museum? No, no, not yet. I mean, they got, you know, they have, there's a lot of really great sections, but their horror section is like, they have so many cool props and, I mean, just looking around, I mean, they, it was really, I mean, I think Eli Roth was one of the curators or whatever, but it was curated really nicely and they, and and they, you know, they have a nice balance of like the commercial kind of, you know, horror stuff. And then, like the kind of you know, um, you know, more unique stuff, like the more you know, culty stuff. Um, but yeah, they have the stick man and the and the camera, 
and uh, you know they still have it. They've had it for five or six years now. Um, wow. But it's cool, man. It's, you know, I mean, where the hell else? You know, because I have because my the stickman is actually mine. The stickman that we based the logo on, I kept that one. And uh, but you know, it's going to be in my closet here if it wasn't in the museum. So I I much rather have people look, you know, checking it out. You know, yeah. but every once in a while, somebody on Facebook sends me a uh, hey, look where I am. <laughs> you know, the stickman. <laughs> you know, so that's cool. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and like uh, it was awesome. I think it would have been it would be close to ten years ago. Uh, I saw you in a documentary called Jedi Junkies. Yeah, and it's all about uh, collecting <laughs> your your collection. And you're sitting here with like I can see your your ad ad right behind you, and like it's it's fucking amazing. Uh, but you have an insane collection of Star Wars stuff. And if my math is correct you would have known about the making of the Phantom Menace while the Blair Witch Project was being made. Like, was this something that kind of consumed your thoughts at that point? Like, were you, were you thinking about, were you still, were you, have you always been a Star Wars obsessive? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. I had never thought about that because, well, when, when because, you know, it was like I was, that time of my life is so constant, like, you know, talking to you guys, it's so, I'm always going back to revisit Blair Witch, but yeah, you're right, man. I mean, that Phantom Menace. Like, I remember what you know when the first trailer came out. I was like, oh, you know, you know, I was so excited about it, and then I watched it, you know, and you know, um, <laughs> you know, it was it was fun. it was fun, you know. I mean, look, I love all the Star Wars movies. Um, you know, there's definitely some problems with the prequels, you know, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, absolutely. Like, I've you know, I wouldn't be a filmmaker if it wasn't star for Star Wars and, and for Spielberg and, you know, Raiders, like the collaborations that, you know, George Lucas had. I really did follow kind of George's, like, I just love the, the fact that he created this world and just the power, you know, the, 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 just the power of like cinema and just everybody when I was, you know, I was like, I don't know, I guess eight or nine years old when the movie came out. I mean, everybody was, all, all my friends were talking about it. We hadn't even seen it yet, man. Like, most of us hadn't even seen the movie yet. We were already obsessed with it. So um, once I, you know, I, I bought, you know, I, I loved when I was a kid playing with the toys and, like, the Boba Fett figure was, like, a huge moment in my life. Like, oh, my God, Boba Fett, I, I can't believe that he's going to be in the new movie, you know? And, uh, but then, you know, you grow, you know, grow up and you're like, all right, you know, how much Star Wars can I do? And then they, you know, George kind of, you know, turned the spigot off in 19, after 80, you know, the eighties. Um, and then right as, you know, Phantom Menace started coming in, you know, I was like, you know, oh, this is going to be cool. And then, you know, we, I do Blair, you know, Blair Witch comes out the same year as Phantom Menace, same summer, which was like crazy. Um, and, uh, we, I watched Phantom Menace at, at the, at, uh, Man's Theater, whatever it's called now, the, the big theater in, uh, it used to be called Man's Chinese. I'm not sure what the hell it's called now. They're changing the name, but, uh, you know, biggest screen I've ever seen, you know, ever. And it was, you know, it was awesome to see Phantom Menace there, you know, and afterwards you start to figure like, you know, uh, repeated viewings that it's, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> um, but then I had all this disposable income, man, and like you know, I, and then Dan and I were in J Japan, and Dan was collecting these like uh, tin robots, and we went to like this toy store, like this little closet of a toy store in Japan, in one of the malls, and they had all a bunch of Star Wars stuff, and I was like, it's the first time I had seen the original figures and the land speeder, and and I just got so excited, man, and I was like, how much for the whole? 
how much for all the Star Wars stuff you have in the store? And the guy was like, oh, you know, like through our interpreter, he was like, what? <laughs> so he gave me like a great price on it. And I said, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll buy all that stuff for, for what? you. What? <laughs> And he shipped it to me, and I had this crate. All you know, all of a sudden, I had this crazy Star Wars collection, and then I then I discovered eBay, and that's been that's the end of it. That was the end of my life. <laughs> so that's what happens when you direct one of the biggest movies of all time, eh? You just buy Star Wars <laughs> yeah, stuff. You buy a lot of Star Wars crap. Yeah, yeah, man. I dig the porg in the background. That thing's sick. Yeah, you know, you porg. I love porgs. I like yeah, the porgs. porgs. Are awesome. I love Initial porgs. thoughts on Jar Jar, though. Like when you first saw him, do you remember how it went? Uh, I was young, so I liked Jar Jar at the time. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't. I, I mean, I liked Jar Jar because I just thought I, I didn't think that Jar Jar was. Uh, you know, there's a lot of problems with that movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think Jar Jar. The biggest thing for me was like, you know, that that was, Jar Jar was like the first animated figure that was like men. You know, kind of mixed with live. So I was mostly looking for that, you know, like looking for as a filmmaker, like you look for like, oh, my, you know, um, but it looked pretty cool. But, I, you know, he was definitely annoying, man. I was like, yeah. what the <laughs> hell, George, what you, come on, man. We're <laughs> asking the hard hitting questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to ask him. I was here. into Jar Jar. Yeah, man, like, I, I had a. I had a Jar Jar paddling pool, so I mean, I'm Team Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah, no, but I got, I have, I'll, I have so much Jar Jar crap here, man. You have, um, and you know, and and then you, and then you get to, you know, I got to, I didn't meet him, but I have friend, mutual friends with uh, the guy who played him, and you know, and seeing his, his, his story of what happened, you know, it's like the tra- yeah. tra- Jar Jar's like a tragic tale, man. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't get he doesn't get on my nerves as much as you know as most people that you know you know I mean it's yeah. part of the, it was you know it's kind of, I mean even like you know even Return of the Jedi man like there's some things in Return of the Jedi where you're like all right you know oh yeah you know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying um, yeah. so you know I think that's kind of part of Star Wars you know uh, you know it, totally. there's there's uh, you know you just gotta love that world and but I still I still love it yeah what did you what did you think of the new saga are you a, are you a Kylo Ren guy I thought Kylo Ren was cool. I mean, I, I, I love, you know, Adam Driver. That mask was sick. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 and I like this. I mean, I know a lot of people hated the Rise of Skywalker, but I was like, how else do you bundle it up and, you know, and do kind of a kind of a pretty good job doing it? I was pretty I satisfied. Liked it. Yeah. I was pretty satisfied with it, man. I mean, you know, after Last Jedi, which I thought was like, you know, really interesting and kind of thought-provoking and like, you know, Pretty cool, you know, pretty cool movie, but not really the middle movie that should have been made, I don't think, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, after that, I was like, what are they going to do? How is JJ going to do it? But Put him in an <laughs> impossible situation. Yeah, though. that's tough. And then the, the Leia stuff, which was, you know, she's yeah. dead. Carrie Fisher's dead. Like, what, how are you going to, you know, I thought even that was pretty clever. You know what I mean? Like, I think it was, you know, I, I think it was a good ending. Um, but I, you know, the, I, I like the, I think the third was my favorite of the new ones. Um, I thought force awakens was, it was fun and, you know, it was great to see Han Solo, but so it was such a retread of the, of, you know, empire and, and, and uh, new hope. Like they took so many elements from that. I was just right. like, come on, man, you guys can be, you, 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 what you guys, about rogue one? I love rogue one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, rogue one was like, like. The only—it's really the only adult Star Wars movie. 
You know, like that's an adult. That's not a kid's movie. You know what I'm saying? Like there's nothing happy about that movie. You know what I mean? True enough. Uh, uh, you know, the, the good guys lose, you know, pretty much. <laughs> and you know what's going to happen after. You know it from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also the coolest Darth Vader scene ever. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. How, how long have you been waiting to see Darth Vader do oh. that? And, and that? And that to me was like, not on the Darth Vader side, but that was to me was the most disappointing thing about uh, Last Jedi was like, you know, we've waited like 30 years or 35 years, whatever, like after Return of the Jedi for the effects to catch up to, you know, George's vision and to see Luke Skywalker really kick some ass. Yep. Like, he's got to drink his milk. Yeah. He's yeah, got to drink yeah, alien tip like, milk. The, yeah. Like, this, like uh, <laughs> yeah, know, I like that. The closest you get to it is like the Jabba scene in Return of the Jedi where some of the kicks are like, it's just you know, really <laughs> yeah. kind of, you know, not really well, greatly done. You know what I mean? Um, not the best action sequence ever, but you know right. you're waiting all this time to see George, you know, to see freaking Luke Skywalker, even as an old dude, like get in there, and then you know they like keep him on the island the whole time. It was just you know, it was like <laughs> like when yeah. I saw that um, when I saw the X wing underwater, oh. I was like I I was like I know how this movie's gonna end. It's gonna end with the you know the resistance in trouble, Leia about to you know they're all about to be killed. And Luke Skywalker raises that X-wing, and that's how the damn movie ends. You know, like, holy shit, we're gonna next movie opens up with Luke Skywalker kicking some ass, and maybe, yeah. and then you kill him. You know, fine, kill him in that battle. But like, I don't know, it was just like such a such a letdown. You know, such an obvious way to like, you know, head to you know toward. I don't know. Yeah, I <laughs> couldn't agree with you more. You know, what are you going to do, man? I mean, no matter what you do as a Star Wars movie, there's nothing you can... You're, not gonna you're never going to please everyone. Yeah. It's hard to please. It's half the people, you know? Yeah. yeah. I guess going back to uh, some of your film work here, I was just... I was wondering, you know, after you know the massive success and even the influence of Blair Witch, looking back now, what are your general thoughts on Book of Shadows? I think it's really something interesting. And while it's completely different than the original film, obviously, it's kind of unique in its own way and has built its own notoriety over the years. I just wanted to kind of pick your brain on that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, look, when we first, you know, you got to see like where we are coming from with Book of Shadows. Like we make this movie and you know, we write it and we spend three years, well, more than three years, but three hardcore years, like sacrificing ourselves to try to finish this movie and to make it and to raise the money and everything. <laughs> and then, you know, the, you know, the company takes, you know, the idea, you sell the idea at Sundance, you got, you know, and then the next one they do is like, you know, you, like we didn't want, and you know, look, they asked us that if we, want, if we wanted to do another Blair Witch movie and we said, no, not yet. And they were like, well, you know, we're going to do, we want to do one next year. Are you cool with, you know, and we were like, sure, you know, you know, whatever. I think we could come, somebody would come up with something cool. So, you know, we were in this weird place where like we wanted it to succeed, but at the same time we were a little pissed off that they were doing this without, you know, us being at the helm. You know what I mean? Not, not pissed off, but just, you know, because we were doing other things, you know, we were, you know, spending some of our money on fucking stupid Star Wars crap. You know, we, we were busy or with our lives and stuff. Um, but, you know, so then they show, so they, you know, we, I, we, we saw the script and we saw the, the treatment first and we were like, I don't know how this is going to work. And the, the, we saw the script. We're like, yeah, I'm not sure how it's going to work. You know, it's all about execution. And we love Joe. I mean, I think, you know, we love Joe's, um, 
He's amazing. And documentaries, and we were like, you know, um, you know, it is a, it is an interesting idea, and if anybody can pull it off, it's Joe. So, um, but you know, once we started getting the footage and we started seeing some of the cuts and stuff, we started, you know, I you know I wasn't like a huge fan of it, but um, looking back on it, you know it's not a terrible movie. You know, I think it's, it's like you said, it's got a lot of really interesting ideas and I think there are some creepy moments and, you know, it's, it's not the, the biggest problem I had with it was that if it would, it wasn't the, it wasn't like the best sequel. It was almost like a cousin to Blair witch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, they, you know, it, there should have been something related directly to, you know, more to the filmmakers' disappearances or something. You know, it was should have been a proper sequel. Right. And I thought that this one, like, you know, it was almost like taking another, like, the flip side of Blair Witch, but it didn't, like, progress the story any. You know what I mean? Um, but again, you know, and we were really arrogant, man. I mean, you know, we, we thought we were, like, you know, we were just made this crazy, successful movie, and we were, like, already you know trying to make our next movie and it was this comedy and nobody you know nobody had ever done like a crazy horror movie and then done a crazy comedy and we were like all you know just in it and and again like you know you know crazy things were happening in our lives and stuff um but we we watched the movie i remember artisan uh brought the movie down to watch and they rented a movie theater and it was, and there was like it wasn't joe or any of the filmmakers i mean or any of the actors it was like the marketing people uh, like three or two or three of the marketing people and uh, like five minutes, 10 minutes in, we start mystery science theatering the damn movie, man. Like, <laughs> like loud and laughing. And, and it was just, you know, it was, it was, you know, I'm like, it was just something that was childish and stupid. And, but again, you know, you got to come at it from our point of view. Like we felt a little bit like, um, you know, like, like, like almost like meeting your, you know, the 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 guy who's replacing your your dad with the you know the new step the stepfather or something. You know, like there's this weird thing, but uh, you know, it's probably we shouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? But um, you know, it is what it is. I I think that it's I don't think it's a it's a, you know, a bad movie. And like I think it does have a lot of interesting things, a lot of interesting ideas. And I think Joe, you know, it was it, it was not only. You know, it's not only Joe's problem that it didn't, you know, uh, succeed the way they wanted it to succeed. I mean, they didn't give him enough time. They rushed the crap out of it. And that's the biggest reason why we jumped away from doing other Blair Witch movies, that they weren't going to give us any time. They were, you know, they wanted to release it October of, the, of, you know, 2000. And we were like, dude, are you crazy? We don't even have, we don't even have a solid idea, you know? Like, like, yeah, they um, released in like 13 months, pretty much. Yeah, after the release. Crazy, That's man. insane. Um, but you know, but you, you'd think with someone like Joe Berlinger, who's like, you know, famous for documentaries, like he's that's such a wasted opportunity to have a guy like that, you know, tackling a sequel to a found footage movie. Yes. Yeah. And that, and, that, and t- you know, and I, and you know, you look back on it and you're like, that's, you know, they, they did a smart thing. Like if anybody's going to, be able to pull it off it's going to be like a great you know documentary filmmaker and and honestly when i read the script and you know talked to joe on the you know conference calls and all that stuff i really thought that the movie was going to be more experimental looking like i thought it was going to be i didn't expect like steady cam shots and stuff like i thought it was going to have like a more unique look and i think that um 
you know, it, it just there's there's something off about it. But again, not a terrible movie. But and I don't hate it. I don't hate Joe. I don't hate anybody that made the movie. Whatever. Um, I just you know, it, it unfortunately killed the franchise for a while. So. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, and that's the other thing that I got to ask, because there's so much speculation around, like, the Blair Witch Project in general and where these people go. And I know that this is all folklore in your own head that you're coming up with, but, uh, yeah. you know, how these how these people were never found, Heather and, and uh, Josh, and, like, uh, they even kind of dabble at it in the Adam Wingard Blair Witch, but... Yeah. The ideas of dimensions, was that ever a thought in your mind when you did the Blair Witch Project, or was it kind of just, they're gone? Um, no, I, no, dude, I mean, look, you know, we, we never, like, Dan and I never got down to, like, actually pinpointing exactly the rules or what the hell it was, you know? Like, to us, it's it's more fun for us to keep, also to keep the mystery alive. Totally. Um, but, you know, like... People were like, I know when the when Adam Wingard, Adam's movie, when they, people were like, oh, there's time travel and there's all this stuff. And I'm like, well, there's actually time travel in the, in the original Blair Witch if yep. you really pay attention to the mythology and stuff. Because the Rustin Parr house burned down in the 1940s and, um, you know, they're in the Rustin Parr house somehow. So how the hell are they in a house that was burned down 50 years before, was burned down before they were born, you know, before maybe, maybe their parents were born, you know what I mean? So, um, that kind of, so once, you know, you know, I mean, we, and we all like the, the, the ideas of like the dark coming, you know, like I love the part in Adam's film when like, it's all, it's just dark, like dark for days at a time or whatever. Like oh, yeah, we, that's cool. we had all those ideas, but you know, we were like in this, in this place where like we couldn't, we, we were so limited with our, with our schedule and all that stuff. So we had, I mean, Dan and I would, and, and Greg and everybody involved would just sit there and try to come up with freaky things that could happen in the woods. But I think time travel and like at least another dimension uh, has always been a part of, of that kind of, of Blair Witch lore. Because for me and Dan, I mean, the original thing was that, that this area in the woods is just haunted. There's just something that there's a gateway or there's something that lives there that's been lived there for a long time, or there's an energy or something happened in, you know, native in the native, because you know the story. We wanted to take the story back to Native Americans, and like you know, they've known about this entity for, for you know, hundreds of years before the the white man showed up. You know, um, so but for, but for us, it, it was all about like you know, people can disappear. So it's all about like you know, interdimensional time travel. Really, even it's it sounds so like you know, science fictiony. But that's kind of, that's where we were at. You know, the idea that like, you know, this horse lady can appear out of nowhere and then it's not that this horse lady is living out there in those woods. She just comes out and makes herself appear to this, to this little girl and then she disappears, you know, it's just yeah. messing around, you know, or whatever, you know what I mean? The, so I definitely think that, you know, it, there's a there's something supernatural there, you know what I mean? So no matter what you want to call it, you know, it's, you know, it's supernatural, but other than that, saying that, we never like tried to, you know, make it any kind of like it's it's this and then this happened and then that happened. Like we always left 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 it up to you know whoever was coming, either us or whoever else was coming after us. You know. Yeah, that's so cool. And yeah, that's something I've always kind of thought about with the Blair Witch and like the lore is uh, how that 
the film ends with them in Rustin Parr's house, and then they people can't find the house ever again. <laughs> so yeah. I think that that's such a cool concept, and it's so scary. Like, I, yeah, it's great, man. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, we're all, we're all huge fans of your other works as well, like Altered and Lovely Molly and VHS Two. I know Boozy, like we did it. We recently did our top fifteens of the last decade, and uh, Boozy is just obsessed with Lovely Molly. That was on his top fifteen. Yeah. Uh, oh, we're cool. big fans of that, and that's why we reached out to Jamie Nash to get him on the show as well. And um, yeah, we love that movie, and we love. I, I just recently discovered Altered this year. And oh, I cool. fucking love that movie, man. I think it's so awesome. I'm also a plumber, so I love the. Okay, yeah, so you're yeah, a, I, you I love that. <laughs> I, it was perfect for him. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. that's a yeah, real plumber's movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When do you see, you know, yeah. When do you see it's, plumbers in movies, man? It's yeah. nice to have representation, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, we try to be as diverse as possible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, man. Is uh, like, how did you deal with the pressure of coming off of the Blair Witch Project? Oh, well, like, I, I, I did deal with it well. Uh, I mean, look, man. You know, I. Um, you know, at least for me, and I think, you know, Dan probably went through similar things and I, some of the other guys that, because we were basically five of us making this movie together. Um, and, um, you know, and then we formed this company, Hacks and Films. And then afterwards, um, you know, we, the, the, the problems that the, the, there's like just problems within the collaborative spirit of the five, you know, partners. Um, you know, I think like Dan and I had always been like really great collaborators and we always like um, rooted for each other. And we all, you know, we were friends. And after Blair Witch, you know, like I'm still friends with Dan Mark. I still love him and, you know, I keep in touch with him. But after Blair Witch, for some reason, and I, you know, and I was always trying to think of like what it was my problem, his problem, it was both of our problem. But we kind of went, a, we went in our different directions and, um, and I think part of that pressure, part of that was the pressure of like, holy shit, we're going to have to make another movie and they're going to know that we're like not super geniuses. You know what I mean? Um, so I think a lot, at least in my, on my part, like the reason that I spent, that I took so long to make Alter after Blair Witch was, first of all, I wasn't like a super horror, like I told you guys, like I love horror movies, but I never thought I would be making horror movies. It's not like I had like four or five horror movies, you know, scripts in my pocket. Like I didn't really think in the horror. I never, I didn't come up with horror movie ideas, you know, back then. Blair Witch was actually like one of my, probably the earliest one, you know, and it was like, okay, this is a great idea. Let's do it. So, um, but, um, you know, you know, so a lot of that pressure and also the idea of like, you know, we had never, I was in my late twenties when Blair Witch hit early thirties and, I had never had like a nice car. I had never owned a house. My credit was in the toilet. Like, you know, I had never, I was basically living like a college student, you know, um, you know, for all my twenties. And I know, you know, all filmmakers do that. It's not like it's some, I did something special or whatever. And I, I got lucky and we made, you know, we made some money and we were successful. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff happening in our lives. Um, but I think for me, the biggest thing was the fear of like, you know, making something that wasn't you know how the hell do you live up to blair witch how do you follow up blair witch project you know that, that's why like dan and i for for a few years after blair witch we tried to make this comedy called heart of love and it's you know it's a stupid ass title for this a stupid <laughs> movie i mean we we basically wanted to go like completely three six you know 180 from you know blair witch 
And uh, and then I had been coming up with these uh, with this idea for a long time, and we actually like you know we wanted to make a comedy. If, if somebody had come to us and said, "Hey, here's a million bucks before Blair Witch," we would not have made Blair Witch. We would have made this comedy, you know, a stupid comedy. Um, so you know, so I mean, so I think the whole thing was just kind of us delaying the idea that we were going to have to do a follow up to Blair Witch. Um, you know, part of that that was definitely part of the psychology there. Um, but you know, it is what it is. And then by the time I got back, you know, they, you know, if if you if you leave the business for too long, I think you know people forget you, you know, and and like so we almost kind of had to start all over again, um, which was kind of you know a, a, you know a little, you know, um, it wasn't too much, you know, not 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 the not the best thing that could have happened, but at least we we had agents, we had managers, so it wasn't like we were starting from scratch, but it took us a while to kind of get back, and, you know, I, got, I luckily got into TV directing, and now that's mostly what I do, and I, um, you know, we have a TV show that we're developing with Apple TV right now, and, you know, hopefully we'll get a green light on that, you know, eventually, um, but, uh, you know, but we got lucky with that, but yeah, it, it was it was tough, man, it was tough to, like, kind of um, get through your, you know, the demons in your head and kind of move forward to, to you know to do something else and it took so it took me a while to, to, to get to that point yeah yeah well, well either been way busy. sorry yeah you've been, so you've been really busy though man i mean you've worked on so many different shows and you've contributed to like tons of different worlds at this point like you've been on worked with supernatural from dust till dawn lucifer taken like the list goes on man yeah, i was yeah. working in tv and like those that kind of space different than working on features it's it's pretty similar because i mean at least like the work schedule um, because like the, the uh, TV like shoots pretty fast, um, so you have to, especially like shows like Dust Till Dawn and Queen of the South, like you you know they pack those shows and there's never enough money, never enough time, so you got to kind of move. And it's you know, but we're used to it. We're in the, you know we we've been independent filmmakers all our lives, so since we're 16 years old, so we know you know I know the hustle and being prepared and just making sure you know what everything that's going to happen and, you know, just being, just being ready for the day, you know? And, um, but so it hasn't been, you know, it's actually been great because I've really fit in pretty easily. And also it's like, it really is less stressful because you are not, you know, like, it's not like, you know, the whole response the, you know, the whole, you know, uh, I guess success of the show doesn't rest on your shoulders, you know, like this is, you're coming in, even on even I, I did a show for uh, BBC America called Intruders, with actually it was Bill, Millie Bobby Brown's first kind of big role, and um, you know that that was the only the first show where I was like involved at the very beginning, and we it was fun to kind of create you know the look of the show and all that stuff. But usually you arrive and the look of the show is already set and the casting is already set, so you just kind of go in and do your thing and keep it moving and motivate people and you know don't be an asshole. <laughs> you know, that, that's like so important, man. Like, don't be an asshole. Um, you know, and respect people's time, respect people's opinions. And, you know, and that's part of it is like being prepared um, because that's the worst thing is when a, a director on set who doesn't know, like, you know, I mean, obviously sometimes you get flustered and there's so much going on, but you got to know what you're, what's, you know, what, what, what you're doing. You know, got to know where the next scene's going and you got to make decisions quickly, you know, because people are, you know, the time is money, you know. Um, but you know, I, I, I love doing TV, man. I mean, I, I'm desperate, not desperate, but I'm definitely like itching to do another feature. And I've got a few that I'm pretty excited about in development in various stages. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, am constantly developing, 
uh, scripts with other writers. Um, but TV is really my bread and butter right now. And like I said, my Greg and I have been pretty much exclusively trying to get uh, you know a television show, our own TV show. So that's kind of our big thing right now. Um, just kind of working in that and just kind of you know because because for us like a, t- a, t- a, t- a television show would be great because we could give opportunities to you know, directors and writers and actors that we love. And, you know, it's a longer, you know, it's, it's eight, 10 episodes. So you have a lot more opportunities to give directors a chance and writers and, and just kind of work with, you know, bring, try to bring people together that we love, you know what I'm saying? That we love working with. So, um, especially if I could bring it here to Maryland, that was, that'd be my ultimate thing is to bring a TV show, um, to the DC area would be nice. You know, to be able to sleep in my own bed would be pretty cool. You know, <laughs> a bonus. It's a quite, it's quite a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I was actually going to ask. I have two quick questions for you. So the first one, <clears throat> you kind of touched on. If you were allowed just any budget to do whatever passion project you wanted to, this is including if you wanted to make a Star Wars. What What would you do? Oh, gee, I mean, <laughs> I, I I would love to do a Star Wars TV show. I don't think I would like to or. I wouldn't mind doing a Star Wars movie, but it wouldn't, it couldn't be one of like the big ones. Like, like, like hopefully like, like, you know, like, like, like Marvel and like all the other kind of things that have been going on for a while. They have like first tier movies and they have like smaller kind of movies, almost like straight to video or like TV things like that are smaller. You know, they're still cool as hell. I would love to do a small, like Star Wars movie and small. I mean, you know, like, 20 million dollars small which is not really small but. You, you could remake star wars christmas oh yeah the holiday special yeah <laughs> they're, they're, they're making they're doing like a lego version or something right no yep. <laughs> that's awesome hear me out yeah, hear me yeah, out like, hear me like, out like they're officially doing it you know like i think it's a lego version but uh so Jar-Jar. yeah I mean, a star wars, a star wars great. Story. yeah oh yeah exactly that's there you cool. go Written and directed by Eduardo Sanchez. Yeah, but you know, dude, imagine like a star, like a Star Wars horror movie. Oh, oh yeah! Wow, there, there's room for it. Like totally. Of course, of course, there's room for it, man. Yeah. I, and you know, that's and Greg and I are both Star Wars. You know, just we we bow to the to the altar of Star Wars. <laughs> but um, we uh, that would be a thing for us just to do a Star Wars TV show. Or I mean, right now, like my big thing is to try to get on Mandalorian, man. I mean, I would. Yeah. I, I would pay them to direct a Mandalorian episode. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but so you know, I, it's. Uh, but I have I have a couple of other scripts. There's a script that I wrote uh, years ago called Faceless. It's actually a small movie that I always wanted. To do. There's certain movies that I've, like, I have in my back pocket that I really want to make. Um, but I, I also have this like fifty million dollar Bigfoot movie called Manable. Like, Jamie had kind of mentioned he never gave yeah, us the title. He kind of mentioned this, it. Is this? A, it's got to be the same one. It's yeah, like it's got period, be. It's like a period piece. Yeah, like Bigfoot movie, and and uh, I was like, I mean, we almost. I mean, we, we actually for like the our the biggest budget movie that I've gone out with a script. I, we got close. You know, there's interest in making it, but who the hell's going to make a fifty million dollar Bigfoot movie? I mean, unless you're like, you know. J.J. Abrams or Tarantino or James Bond right. or nobody's going to give you the money to do a, you know that <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, that would be cool, man. I have like a, I have I actually have like a, I have three more Bigfoot movies that I would love to make. Like a, a, a trilogy? Wow. 
Yeah, there we go. A trilogy of uh, of Bigfoot movies, but we'll see what happens, man. We'll okay, see. it'd be fun. And my other, oh, go ahead, sir. No, go ahead. Um, I was my other my other question. This will be the last one from me, I think. What I was going to ask is, you spent so much time in the woods filming through your different movies. Do you have any actual scary stories of things that have happened on set, like while you guys are running around in the woods? The, the, there's a the, there's two scary moments, and then, you know it's pretty you know tame. I mean, the, the, there's moments in Blair Witch where we were out there, you know, like two in the morning waiting mm-hmm. for them to fall asleep so we could like give them their you know set up their you know the camp. You know, there's sometimes where we would be out there you know pretty late, and you know it would get creepy. But it, I was always with somebody. So, but the two times, man, I, we were I was scouting one time in in uh, for Blair Witch, and we shot in this. Uh, state park called Seneca Creek State Park and it's like two square miles and uh we were just kind of I was Dan and I would just go into the woods and find like cool locations to to stage our scenes and this was like early on and dude I got lost like and the sun was starting to go down and I um I ended up in this field with like really high grass like like taller than me and and I come around this and there was like this big buck with like you know, like a big, like a set of a, a huge rack on its head. Like, you know, like I could, like if that thing had charged at me and like gouged me, I would have died out there. But so I got lost and then the, 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 uh, kept going, the sun kept going down. And then I was just like, I got to the point, man, where I was like, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to head straight that way. And I was just running like through briars and I, I got all scratched <laughs> and I finally came Cause I was like, I, I know I'm, there are houses around me. I just don't want to get stuck out here at night. You know, like if it gets dark, I'm, I can't see anything. Um, so, and I just found, uh, you know, a, a housing community and I, I, I got my bearings and I went around and found my car, but I was really scared, <laughs> man, like for a while. But then the la- the other time Blair Witch is when they left, uh, I was, um, doing some stuff in the Rustin Parr house before we were, sh- before we shot. And, uh, it was dark and I was down in the cellar and, you know, looking at some stuff. And then I look around, I realized that everybody was gone and, uh, you know, they had just gone back to the car and I was like, I almost shit my pants, man. I was like, (laughs) you just go stand in the corner (laughs) and like, just, and finally I saw the lights. I'm like, you know, just cause I, because that place creeped me out, man. It really, there really was like, it was just such an old and, you know, it's just like in the movie, man, it just looks like a nightmare. You know, like a nightmare come to life, and I was just like, it freaked me out. Like I, all of a sudden, I was fine, and then all of a sudden, I was alone. And all of a sudden, like it was just like this something. Somebody was looking, watching me, and I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> here, you know. Um, but other than that, man, I mean, it was pretty. You know, we luckily, you know, knock on wood, we like, you know, everybody was came out safe, and I mean, there, that, you know, that shoot could have gone badly a lot of different ways, and again, like somebody was watching out for us, man. That's great. I mean, thinking back to, you know, making that film on such a low budget, you're basically the king of successful low budget filmmaking, especially for a time, you know, when access to equipment was much harder and less accessible. I guess for the modern age, do you have any, you know, words of wisdom for aspiring filmmakers, maybe some major do's and don'ts, some suggestions perhaps? I mean, I, you know, I mean, it, it, it is, e- it's so much easier to get equipment now. And, you know, you could, there's so much, uh, you know, that you can edit on your computer and you can do all these effects. I mean, you have so many tools now at your disposal that we never had. Um, 
especially when you know I was in film school and stuff. Um, but you know, I, I think I tell people like you know, figure you know, it, it, I know every just about everybody wants to be a writer director. Like that's the thing that everybody wants to be, but not everybody's going to be the writer director. You know, it's just that's just the way it is. Um, so you know, g definitely go that direction. But if you find that you're not like that, you still love making movies, but you're not the best director, you're not the best writer, or whatever. There's always going to be something that you find, you know, that, that you're going to love in the in filmmaking. There's so many great jobs. Like, I mean, people, you know, I work with crews and, you know, I mean, there's always some disgruntled people, but most of them are really happy to be on a film set, you know, doing whatever it is, you know, like they, people get into it and there's so much creativity and again, collaboration. So don't, you know, don't get too like, you know, um, kind of, uh, don't put the blinders on too much and get kind of tunnel vision as far as like, if I'm not a writer director, I can't be part of this community and be part of this industry. Um, and then, you know, as far as like proving yourself to be a writer director, just do it, man. You know, like, you know, direct, there's always going to be people. You can always find people to work with, um, you know, and film school, like you don't have to go to film school, but like film school does introduce you to a certain people, you know, certain people your age who have the same interests as you and speaking by from somebody that, I mean, I still, my partner, you know, for over 20 years has been Greg Hale, you know, who was, I met in film school. I'm, I did Blair Witch for, with five guys that I met in film school. Um, so it definitely, you know, um, I mean, a lot of people, you know, obviously you don't need film school. You can have your own equipment now, you know, you can do your own thing. But film school does introduce you to people, and also it does teach you some stuff. I mean, not everybody's a genius, you know, at 19 years old. So, you know, there are stuff, there's, there are things you have to learn. But, you know, do things that, you know, uh, like, like don't, and I made this mistake. Like, I, I was, like, really into Spike Lee um, in the early 90s, like, right around when we came up with the idea for Blair Witch. And I wrote this script called Gabriel's Dream, which was not a, it wasn't a bad script, but it wasn't a great script. And I made this film, and we shot it on 16 millimeter, And it was basically, like, do the right thing for, like, a lower budget, you know, very socially conscious kind of, or at least for me, like, what was socially conscious coming from a, you know, young 20, 21-year-old kid. Um, but... Um, you know, so don't, you know, so, and, and, and I, and I was proud of it and, you know, it was a great experience, but it didn't sell. It didn't really like give me, you know, build a career that I needed to, to, to do. And I didn't have that until Blair Witch. So, you know, do something that's creative, do something that's you like do, you know, write something about what you know, even if it's something small, like, you know, <coughs> you're, excuse me, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to compete with Hollywood. You're not going to be able to compete with Marvel movies or Star Wars movies not going to be able to compete with like, you know, John Wick, like the action movie, you know, you're not going to be there. So go the other way and do something creative that do something that Hollywood can't do. Like, that's my biggest thing. Like find something that Hollywood, cause that's, what's going to get you attention. If you, if you look at like, you know, all the, all the movies that have built careers, you know, um, you know, uh, Reservoir Dogs and, you know, Clerks and El Mariachi, like those movies, Hollywood wasn't making those movies. I mean, nobody was making those movies, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, Spike Lee's early films, Steven Soderbergh's early films, you know, like, you know, so just realize that, that, you know, people are not, you know, they're not looking for Hollywood light. They're looking for something unique and do something that Hollywood can't, you know, like that's, and that's what we did with Blair Witch. Like there's like, we, like I told you guys earlier, we, 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 uh, you know, we we demolished so many SAG rules. We, you know, we during Blair Witch, like 
people in Hollywood can't do, but you know, you can't do a Blair Witch. You can't do that kind of thing. Only people who have like nothing to lose and aren't in SAG and don't have to worry about unions can make a movie like that. So take advantage of the, of the situation you're in and make something that's unique and, and, you know, and original. And it doesn't have to be, you know, anything like anything else, like just, you know, put your heart into it and, you know, and it'll be, you know, it'll, it'll take you on a journey. Now it might not make you the next, you know, Steven Spielberg or Quentin Tarantino, but the, the journey is what, you know, you'll learn from the journey. You know what I mean? And also like, don't be afraid to, to fail. You know what I'm saying? You're going to, most people fail like crazy. You know, most people fail and you learn more from your failures than your successes. So, you know, so that's kind of my long winded kind of advice for, you know, for filmmakers is like, go out and do it and, and learn how to do it, learn how to edit, you know, like learn, you know, be, you know, be a professional, you know, know your thing, you know, know your, know your, know the skills to, 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 you know, to, to make the movie and then go out and do it, you know? Dude, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. So <clears throat> we're pretty much, we're going to wrap up here right away, but like, what do you, what do you got going on right now? The, you were mentioning that you got some stuff in development. Is there stuff that you can talk about? Yeah. I mean, not, I mean, I can talk kind of generally, like I'm developing, um, a few scripts that I'm some, you know, some that are, I'm really excited about all horror, of course. Perfect. Uh, but, yeah. um, I've been, you know, hooking up with, I mean, I'm working with Jamie on one right now. I'm always working with Jamie on something. He's like, you know, one of my favorite writers. That dude uh, is awesome. Yeah. We love so talking yeah. to him. Yeah. He's such a good guy. And he's such so a good, good collaborator. Yeah. He's just awesome. But, um, I love Jamie Nash. Um, <laughs> But uh, we are, so I'm developing a bunch, you know, with different writers, some horror scripts, working with some producers. Um, but right now, like I said, we, we were like concentrating on this show called Maldicion, uh, which is a, a show we're doing with Apple, with uh, Greg Hale and Alejandro Brugues, who did uh, uh, Juan of the Dead, which if you haven't seen, you should see right yeah. away. Um, so we're, we've been doing, uh, this is the second show that we've, that we've put together with Alejandro. The first one was a show we did for stars that got canned after uh, we were supposed to shoot it in Cuba. And then it around 2016 and everything shut down and we can't, couldn't shoot in Cuba. So they, they axed that. So we came up with another idea and we pitched it and we luckily, uh, Sam Raimi's one of the executive producers on Holy it. Shit. Hell yeah. uh, so, um, so we're doing that. That's the biggest thing. And then, uh, Greg is writing a feature, actually for um for Alejandro to direct um and we're coming up we're just we're writing the treatment on that um but mostly man I really am have spent most of my covid time first of all with my family hanging out and you know spending more time with my kids and but also selling some of my star wars crap Wow, <laughs> which got, is what you're gonna do after, right? You're gonna try. Yeah, to sell dude, boxes. I got I got some boxes to to pack up after this interview. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 my my wife, like, kind of, you know, we both kind of came to the same conclusion that I'm like, it's it's kind of hoarding. It's becoming hoarding. Yeah, uh, you have, you have to sell us Jar Jar figures after. Yeah, <laughs> I would I would buy an I would buy a Jar Jar figure signed by Eduardo Sanchez. Yeah, I mean, if it's signed by you, I'll buy it. Yeah, I'll, send you, I'll send you my link when I put it up, something up. Let's see what kind okay. of charger crap I can sell. Yeah, put it up yeah. on the old eBay. If you <laughs> sign it, we'll gladly buy some. <laughs> we put it in our studio space. It's an investment. Right, sweet, man. 
But all right, yeah, so uh, we just got cut off there, but uh, I can't remember where you were at. You were just, you were talking about uh, what you got coming up next, but you're closing yeah, up on that. Yeah, I was talking about, um, we got a TV show for Apple called Maldición with Alejandro Bruges, and we're doing a, some features, and I'm also selling a bunch of uh, Star Wars crap from my collection here, as you can see. Wow. Got, oh, that's amazing. Oh, man, that's a museum. Um, so I'm just going, yeah, I'm just, uh, my wife and I were like, we got to get rid of some of the stuff. So uh, I've been uh, selling all, all, all through COVID. It's kind of kept up my, uh, kind of kept my sanity in place, uh, selling stuff. And it feels good, man. Like every, with every box, I'm like, yeah. But then that, I That's one, your own personal stimulus. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Yeah. That's the, that's the economic stimulus. <laughs> yeah. You're obviously yeah, yeah. keeping the important ones though, right? No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> keeping uh, the vast majority of it. I'm mostly selling like doubles and then things like, you know, like, you know, like right now my rule is if I can't display it, I have to have, you know, I have to get rid of it because yeah. I don't want I have That's a back fair. room full of it. I'm like, why do I have a back room full of Star Wars stuff? Like it's, you know, um, so, you know, that's the big thing. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, uh, I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. I'm having a pretty good time, too. So, hell yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, well we got we got two last uh, two last questions for you. But before we get to that, uh, just so people can follow you, uh, do you have anywhere that people can follow you online? Uh, I know I just found out about your Instagram. Yeah, so, so did like, I. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't I I, I rarely go on Instagram, uh, but I, I and mostly on Facebook. I mean I, the, the hacks and films site is mostly where I do all my kind of business and like you know just promoting stuff and also just talking to, to people about the movies and whatever the hell people post about uh it's ha hacks and films on, at facebook and then um i'm on twitter on it's called uh my 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 uh handle is sanchez on the mic um which is just <laughs> on the mic thing I, yeah on the mic you know anyway and so um but no i don't i mean i don't um you know, I don't. I, I I I need to get into Instagram, but I just don't. I haven't really gotten any momentum in that in that yet. So, but may, maybe maybe one because everybody's using it now, man. Crazy. Yeah, especially if you're selling Star Wars figures, man. Yeah, now's there the we time. go. There's a gallery waiting to be had. Yeah. Oh my god, I got. All you gotta do is <laughs> message bloody disgusting and let them know that the the director of the Blair Witch Project is selling <laughs> off Star Wars shit. I can You'll see get a ton of followers. That's yeah, a good. Right. You know, and I can I can sign whatever people you know, people want something signed. I can sign whatever the hell it is. You know, yeah. well, make sure you I'll charge work. for that. Don't 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 have free games except, for like, except for us. Yeah, except for us. Yeah, except for us. If you're buying my Star Wars crap, I'll throw in a signature for free. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. All right, well, we got two last questions. I know Boozy, okay. you had one. Yeah. So my question is: Have you considered suing Big Ed from Ninety Day Fiance? Because I feel between the two of you guys, like you're the larger Ed. Like, do, do your friends call you like Big Ed, and then they're like really annoyed that that guy's called Big Ed too? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 actually, I was talking to my lawyer about this the other day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, no, people. Yeah, people call me Big Ed. Uh, yeah, they, they, Big Ed is uh, one of definitely one of my. Um, monikers also uh eddie spaghetti <laughs> dumbass you know, dumb used a lot you know um, yeah but yeah I mean, you're right man maybe i should sue hell yeah <laughs> all right well last question and ed we normally ask this question to our our guests like right off the bat because 
it's a good way to break the ice and get to know someone really well. But obviously we have a whole ton of respect for you and we couldn't, couldn't thank you enough for being here. Like it's honestly, man, this is, it's actually like, it's not to sound too cheesy or cliche. This is a dream come true for us. We get to talk to someone who influenced the influenced us in such a, you know, insane way. Like this is a Blair Witch project is a huge reason why we are doing this today and why we are huge horror fans. Um, but my question is, it would have been five, four, five years after I saw the Blair Witch Project, I got circumcised. So I'm wondering, are are you circumcised? Like, I've, I've always wondered what the Blair Witch Project director is fucking with. Um, I, first of all, thanks for, uh, thanks for that question. <laughs> also, thanks for uh, having me on and, you know, the kind words. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's great to, I never thought I would make a movie that would, like, inspire anybody you know what i mean the way i was inspired by star wars and all these other you know crazy movies so um it's just it, it really is amazing that you know that to, to see guys that are doing their own thing and were inspired in any way by by what i did so i appreciate the the kind words and no man i i am uncircumcised but i was born in cuba so uh you know latin american usually don't uh, circumcise their kids my man uh, my man <laughs> I'm full on, man. I'm full man. You're rocking the hood. I'm yeah. rocking it, man. I'm rocking it. I, uh, I, I love it. I, I was, uh, there's a, a real quick story. I was working for this company that I, I would um, deliver blueprints to this architecture, all architecture firms all over the, the, the you know, the D.C. area. And there was one uh, architecture firm where the guy was obviously really against circumcision because he had, like, two... Bumper stickers on his car, and they had like, you know, like just this is what happens when you get circumcised. And then his license plate, not kidding, was no circ. <laughs> like this guy was hardcore. No he sounds sir. like our enemy. This uh, is the perfect my, way to end. He's my hero, man. Yeah. <laughs> wow. that's, that's amazing. All right, man. Well, thank that's thank you wild. so much, yeah, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, we truly appreciate it. All right, well, thanks so much for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week on The Terror Table. (laughs) 